everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 62 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lynn Cook and in this episode today we will be talking about what happened to black Germans under the Nazis. Now the 27th of January is Holocaust Memorial Day and it's where we think of um, and honour the memory of those who were persecuted at the hands of the Nazis in concentration camps prior to the concentration camps and throughout that regime that reaped suffering on so many millions of people. Now, when I was younger, I think I was about 17, 18 in sixth form, um, I was a Holocaust ambassador um, and I was really fortunate enough to go with the Holocaust Education Trust to Auschwitz concentration camp um, and Auschwitz-Birkenau, the two camps in Poland. And that experience alone, seeing what I had learned about nearly every year in school um, and the Holocaust is something that's taught often in history as well as in like, RE, um, as we think of like religious tolerance and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, seeing what I saw that day, like the sights never leave me. I, You know, it it's just one of those things um, that I'm so grateful to be, have been able to go. Um, but it was such um, like a exhaustive trip, like in terms of, you know, all the things you were having to process, the emotions that came with it. And that was just me visiting. Now, the thought of living through that, being sent to a concentration camp or a forced labour camp is just unimaginable to me. Um, But within that programme, I was also fortunate enough to hear from a Holocaust survivor um, in the weeks before we actually went to Auschwitz. And one thing that I remember hearing um, from Susan Pollock, who was the lady that was um, taken to a concentration camp along with a lot of her family. She was in Auschwitz-Birkenau. She just kept saying to us that we had to make sure that these stories weren't forgotten um, and that, you know, other people would learn about this in the future. And she does a lot of um, work in schools and with the Holocaust Education Trust to, to make sure these stories aren't forgotten. And I think it's so important. And I think Holocaust Education Trust and, you know, all the other kind of charities that do this work have done a fantastic job because it is something we know so much about. And I think there are so many places and resources and spaces you can go to to learn even more. Um, And this is because while so many people were impacted, you know, we're talking about millions of Jewish people, but they weren't the only ones um, that were persecuted at the hands of the Nazis. Now, a lot of people on social media where I kind of thought about doing this episode um, were saying how they were never told this in schools and they'd had teachers that when they brought up the fact that, you know, well, were there any black people in Germany and were they impacted by Nazi laws um, and the persecution? And, and they were kind of like, no, there were no black Germans. They weren't there. That that didn't happen. Well, I've never been told that. You know, I've always known. I can't remember a time of not knowing that there weren't other people apart from Jews um, that were persecuted black people, homosexuals, Roma, Sinti, gypsy communities, um, people that had physical or mental disabilities. Um, The whole idea was to create this pure Aryan race um, of essentially blonde hair and blue eyed in the simplest form people. And anybody that kind of went against that archetype was to be removed by a variety of means, um, concentration camps being one of them and other other things also happened and I'm being vague because I realised I haven't done a trigger warning 
Um, so I would like to give one now um, and say that this episode is going to contain um, details of violence, of death and persecution, also of sexual violence to children and adults um, and conversations regarding sterilisation and things of that nature. So this won't be a happy episode. And I'm quite glad I think that the last episode was about Desmond's, which is um, somewhat happier historical point of reference um, than the Holocaust. But these episodes are important. Um, and I think the fact that so few people know about the black people that were living in Germany and impacted by um, Nazi persecution and how they were impacted, it wasn't just one way. Um, today I'm going to be sharing the stories of several people um, and also just giving you the history of, of Germans' kind of colonial past that led up to the treatment of black people, black Germans, um, under the Nazis. So if this episode isn't for you right now, for you today in the moment or headspace that you're in, then, then please pause it, try something else and maybe come back another time. But if it is and if you are wanting to learn about these people who history has been unkind to and forgotten, um, please do stay tuned. So as you may or may not know, uh, the Holocaust happened kind of in the time before but mostly during World War Two, um, and Hitler's kind of Nazi Germany are said to have um, been responsible for the murder and killing of six million Jewish people that's where estimates go however you know we're not sure if these include everybody because so many people would have just been taken um, were all of these people like you know written down or written about um, or recorded, shall we say, in concentration camps and work camps? What about people that escaped? What about people that hid? Um, so there is obviously discrepancy with numbers, but, you know, it's in the millions. It is a massive number, and we can't get away from the fact that this was a significant amount of people. Now, it's estimated around two in three European Jewish people were killed in the Holocaust, because obviously during World War Two. Um, as the Germans uh, kind of battled on and gained territories, notably Poland, they built concentration camps in those countries and then began to persecute the Jewish people there. So it wasn't just people in Germany um, that were being impacted by the Nazis as the war kind of rolled on. Now, it's also estimated that between 10,000 and 25,000 black people, which is a small fraction of the number of Jewish people killed, um, were killed under, under Hitler's Nazi Germany. And... I want to say that this podcast obviously kind of focuses on black histories. I've never really done anything outside of like British Empire slash maybe America, which is still linked to the British Empire anyway. But we're thinking about Germany today because I just feel like black people in so many different contexts have been like erased from history. Um, actually, I don't feel this. I know this. This is fact. Um, and the fact that there are teachers out there um, who kind, kind of very confidently tell their students that black people were not impacted at all by the Holocaust, there were no black Germans, that's scary. Because as a teacher, I feel like, and this is not sending for any teachers or educated, educators out there, but, you know, it's, it's fine to not know. And I think as a pupil, sometimes you, you're okay with that because their teachers are human beings, but I think to confidently with your chest say... There were no black people impacted when we've got numbers of, you know, up to potentially 25,000 people. You've just erased that history for that child. Um, and it's not OK. So black Germans were subjected to 
medical experiments, mass sterilisation drives, and they were thrown into concentration camps and forced labour camps as well, where they were forced to work. So you might be thinking, well, where did these black people come from in Germany? And I guess you could kind of use a parallel of Britain and say, you know, if you looked at 1930s Britain, 1920s Britain even, where did the black people come from? Well, colonisation. Um, and as Britain had an empire, so did Germany, and they were expanding, most notably in Africa um, and also in smaller parts of the Caribbean. Um, but essentially, census records have kind of suggested that in the 1920s, there were around 24,000 black people living in Germany. Um, most of them were musicians in the kind of roaring jazz age that the 20s was, like Josephine Baker, who were kind of thriving in Germany's jazz scene. Um, however, due to racial hostilities, it was the entertainment industry that was kind of the only industry that black people could find employment in. There was still racial tensions there, just like there would have been in Britain. Um, so many parallels to be drawn. And I think that comes from this kind of European colonial paternalistic influence over black people on a global scale, whether it's in Africa or the Caribbean or in parts of Asia. Um, other black people that were in Germany were from German colonies in Africa as um, army officers um, and working in the armed forces, or they were the descendants of the troops recruited from African colonies. 15,000 Africans died under Kaiser Wilhelm's um, rule in World War One, fighting against the British. We don't really think about the other side, I think being British um, by nationality or, you know, by country of birth and raising. Um, we think about, I think about anyway, the black people that fought for Britain across the world and haven't been recognised. But, you know, there were people on the other side of that as well, i.e. black people fighting um, from African colonies that would have been, um, quote unquote, owned by Germany. Um, then Africa was carved up in the Berlin Conference, um, and Germany colonised Tanzania, Togo and Cameroon and Namibia, um, as they would, they're named today, those regions. Um, and so by the 1930s, the children of immigrants from these countries were moving to Germany um, and forming Germany's new black community because there was a lot of um, relationships between maybe African women, um, especially in Namibia, and then German settlers, as they were called, um, and so, you know, if they had children, then they would obviously have a right to German citizenship and potentially move to Germany in the future. Um, and so this kind of equated to, in the 1920s, 24,000 black people living in Germany. Now, there's also another group of people we've really got to think about. And this is where, like, it gets extra upsetting for me personally, because we're speaking about children. Um, and, you know, it just is children. <laughs> what could you say? Um, and... I'll be honest, this episode was not fun to re research. It's not It's not a fun topic, why would it be? But thinking about what was done to children, that it just takes it to another step. So the mixed-race Rhineland children, as they were called, um, they were a product of relationships that developed between German women and African soldiers from the French colonial army. Now, we're thinking about World War One here. African people would have been stationed in the Rhineland which is a region um, just kind of next to Germany on the border um, that the Germans had control of. Um, however, after 1918 and Germany's loss in World War One, the Treaty of Versailles conditions meant that Germany was stripped of their colonies, including 
the Rhineland, and France was allowed to deploy African soldiers to the Rhineland area, which borders Germany. And those African soldiers police the territory. Now, if you can see what that might look like, you've got black people policing a region that Germany have just lost. For them, for the Germans, it was seen as the final humiliation. And nationalists led the opposition to that treaty, um, which obviously wouldn't be popular, but Germany couldn't really do anything because they just lost World War I. Um, and the Nazi party was kind of born out of these nationalist views. Um, the loss they suffered at World War I and the ramifications of that and the reparations they had to pay, this is what occurred. Now, they felt like it was a kick in the face um, and Nazi party kind of propaganda that came out later attacked the treaty a lot and they felt that it had led to, and I quote, black disgrace on the Rhine. Um, and there's a lot of, like, physical film propaganda um, and, like, uh, pictures and drawings and comics and stuff that depict this, and I will try and share some of that imagery um, in, like, social media form um, because it is really important to see the kind of optics of that. Um, also, and this is where things become quite problematic, um, other films accused the African men who were French African um, if that's the kind of right way to describe it they were from French colonies African colonies that were quote unquote you know taken by the French um, they were accused of bullying German men on the Rhineland border and raping German women and these were published in newspapers across Europe so the French obviously are like what's going on um, and they investigated and actually found that there was very little to none of that sort of thing happening. And in fact, it was actually German women fetishizing and exoticizing these fairly well-paid African men out of the French colonial army and then initiating liaisons with them. These liaisons were creating, I don't know if we could say relationships, but they were creating children. Um, and the fruit of these relationships were actually 800 mixed-race children over this kind of time period and this influenced the thinking of Hitler actually in Mein Kampf and I, I did not think when I started researching this podcast that I would be quoting Mein Kampf today and I'm just sorry to have to do that but we have to kind of understand the mindset to understand what happened um he says it was and it is the Jews don't know how the Jews get linked into this I'm sure there's actually a reason but also was Hitler being rational absolutely not it was very nationalistic um, views at the time and they obviously spiralled into something disgusting. So he says, it was and it is the Jews who bring the Negroes ugh, into the Rhineland, sorry, <laughs> always with the same secret thought and clear aim of ruining the hated white race by the necessarily resulting bastardisation. Um, so, yeah, that's what he had to say. It was, he's blaming the Jews um, for bringing black people into the Rhineland be to ruin the white race because the white race is so hated by everybody apparently yeah anyway so Nazi policy of 1937 leads to the sterilization of Rhineland children um, and by the end of 1937 almost half of the mixed race children the 800 um, that's estimated had been treated by Nazi doctors a further 200 disappeared probably into Hitler's concentration camps. This sterilisation process was le um, led by the leading Nazi genesis, Dr Eugene Fischer. Um, he was working against 
the children's biological clock because by the mid-1930s, the children, who were obviously the product of um, sexual relations in around 1918, um, in that post-war um, period, like 1919, 1920, they were kind of entering puberty, and he felt that they had to be sterilised before they became sexually active. Um, and so the process and the decision to sterilise these children, to round them up, essentially find them, which wasn't too difficult, I don't think, because most of them would have been in the Rhineland area, um, and they were mixed race, so they were very, you know, easy to spot, shall we say. Um, but yeah, Fischer developed his racial theories from um, German Southwest Africa, which is now Namibia, because before World War One, as I mentioned, the country was Germany's prize colony. Um, he discovered, and I quote, fatal genetic dangers arising from race mixing between German colonists and African women. Um, these theories were not new. They came from the colonial era and these ideas of um, race mixing, and I've got my fingers in like air quotes here because it's just all nonsense and it's not real science, but it was portrayed and pushed as a real science. That's what eugenics is all about um, in in really short paraphrasing way. Um, and yeah, it led to it led to genocides. It led to concentration camps. It led to experiments on African people in Namibia. Um, if we want to talk about what Germany has done there, I think that's a whole episode, but, you know, they were running death camps long before Hitler and the Nazis came to power, shall we say that. Their suppression of the Herero people of Namibia um, at the turn of the last century was kind of like, it's been described as a dress rehearsal for what followed in Europe later. So, you know, it was Africa first, it was Namibia um, and other countries. Um, I think it was Britain that first introduced what we now know as concentration camps in other parts of Africa um, and Asia. And so this is kind of the history and the, the pre-precursor to the concentration camps used on Jewish people primarily, as well as all the other groups mentioned um, during World War Two. Now, in that genocide, I think it's about 60,000 Herero people that were killed, leaving only 15,000 alive. Um, the concentration camps had a mortality rate of 45%. So, you know, a majority of people going into those were not coming out alive. Um, and they also saw medical experimentation. Um, and, you know, the Nazis would take black families in the night, if we fast forward to the 1930s and so on, taking them to hospitals for experiments to prove their theories of racial superiority that they were developing in the colonial era. Um, so this is all following on. Now, you know, there was also a narrative... Um, with Jewish people, there was a narrative with disabled people, with homosexuals, with um, people that were communist or had difficult political ideologies. But this is a history of, you know, why this was happening to black German people, African Germans, um, of what they would, would have identified as. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of the, the the people that would have been impacted. So... You've got the children, the mixed-race children of the Rhineland. You've got the kind of descendants of, of troops from the colonies in Africa that Germany would have had, um, and so their children. And then you have the migration of people um, that Afri um, of African countries that would have been colonised by Germany, moving to Germany um, for whatever reason. Um, and you've got, by the 1920s, tens of thousands of black people living in Germany. Um, and then when we get into kind of the 1930s and the Nuremberg laws come in, 
then we start seeing the impact of these policies on those individual people. So the Nuremberg Laws in 1935 are known for stripping Jewish people of their German citizenship, prohibiting them from marrying or having sexual relations with people of German blood. There was a subsequent ruling confirmed that black people, um, gypsies were also included um, in people that were classified as black, um, and anyone essentially that was like a bit brown, so people from places um, that were in Africa, whether that be North Africa or Southern Africa, that were mixed race, they were all kind of identified as black as well and regarded as being of alien blood. Um, and they were also subject to the Nuremberg Principles. Very few people of African descent that would have been in Germany had German citizenship, even if they were born there. But this also became irreversible and didn't really matter because those that did have German citizenship were stripped of it um, and they were then designated um, as, and I quote, stateless Negroes and given passports to suggest this and say this, essentially. Um, so they were made stateless because they had moved from their country of origin to a place like Germany and Germany had decided to remove their citizenship because of the perceived threat that they were to society. If anybody hasn't listened yet to the episode on the Nationality and Borders Bill, you might not hear the irony there, but if you have, please catch the irony. People that have migrated to Germany from African countries, being stripped of their citizenship because they are perceived to be a threat to society. Yes, that is exactly, hmm, in so few words, what a law coming into play in this year 2022 in britain says now you know i'm not suggesting that i'm not suggesting anything let's leave that there think of that as you will um however yeah very scary to me anyway 1941 black children were officially excluded from public schools most of them had suffered racial abuse um in their classrooms much earlier for being black and some of the testimonies i'll share with you shortly um, so you talk about this quite openly because it was very, very common. Um, I think them being black as children in probably majority white schools, it's not uncommon. It's not something you don't hear about in any country, Britain, France, America. You know, it sounds like commonplace racism. But obviously when you pair this with Nazi Germany, concentration camps, forced sterilizations, it becomes part of a bigger and scarier picture. Now... Um, most of them were forced out of schools because those Nuremberg laws meant that they weren't permitted to go there anymore. Um, their employment prospects, which were already poor because they were black before 1933, got worse. They were unable to find regular work. So some were drafted for forced labour as quote-unquote foreign workers during World War II. Um, some of them were used for propaganda films um, and for the return of German African colonies and that helped them make some income. And some of them, and in a story you'll hear later, were used in, in the human zoos um, and not realising at the time kind of what they were signing up for, but it was a job at the end of the day. So essentially, black people were forced into work that they probably would ordinarily would never dream or want to ever do. But in a time like that, had no choice because it was kind of that or starve. And there were very few options to work anyway because you were already black um so yeah now i'm going to talk to you about i think i have three two stories of of 
two boys that were sterilised um, and they were part of the mixed race children of the Rhineland. So I'm going to tell you their stories and then we're going to get into the stories of some people that actually ended up in forced labour and concentration camps. And I want to tell you people's stories and not get too bogged down in like, oh, this happened to some people and that happened to others. Because when I when that Holocaust um, Holocaust survivor, Susan Pollock, spoke to us, she, she was huge on, on telling people's individual stories. And I think it's one of those things that I really like about history is that we're thinking about actual people, you know, six million Jewish people, 25,000 black people. They are just numbers on a screen, numbers in your ear. But when you actually think about the stories of people like Hans Hauk, of Hans Jürgen Maskoy, who I'm going to talk about later, John William, Theodore Michael Wanger, you know, these are actual people that had actual lives just like you and me that were completely torn and taken upside down, sterilised as a child. Do you know what that means for you in later life? You know? Um, yeah, I, I can't take these histories lightly. Um, so let's hear about what happened to some of those children. So, uh, Thomas Holhauser, who is German, of course, um, he recalls, and these were taken from a little documentary I watched, um, so I don't have, like, all the context about every single individual, so I'm giving you snippets of the story. Um, he remembers his mum waking him up around 6.30, and he asked her, oh, what's going on? And she said, come on, my boy, it's time to go to hospital. Um, also, these stories were told by these people, Thomas Holhauser, in German, and there were obviously subtitles. So I don't know how much has been lost in translation. Um, so I'm obviously telling you what I read on the subtitles. Um, so, you know, kind of put yourself in the kind of mindset that these might not be exact or completely accurate down to the T of details. But, you know, what happened to them was obviously what happened to them. So um, he said there was a doctor wearing um, uniform, an SA uniform um, and eventually the procedure was that they made two cuts around the testicles and he said which was one of the most interesting things to me um sometimes I'm glad I couldn't have any children this is him speaking as an adult he said at least they were spared the shame I live with and I think he was kind of getting at the fact that the shame of surviving and and not being killed because so many like him were killed instead of being sterilized um and that just broke my heart a bit because you know, the fact that he was, you know, happy, not happy, but relieved that he didn't, couldn't have children because of his shame that was brought onto him by, by what the Nazis did to him and people like him. Um, a second story from Hans Hauk, whose father was Algerian, a black soldier and also Muslim, um, and his mother was white and Catholic. He was bullied in school and it was, he said it would upset his mom greatly. And she died of the anxiety of that um, and the stress that that caused. His grandmother became his guardian. Um, and he remembers the Gestapo. And he said, and I quote, before they were the thugs, they became later. They were just ordinary policemen then. Coming to his home and taking him and his grandma by car. And him wanting to, him and his grandma wanting to be on the train instead. But they said no because people would see them and they didn't want that. Um, and they took him to the Department of Racial and Hereditary Welfare. Um, and he said himself and others were condemned. They were examined, then measured their skulls, eyebrows, noses, recorded their eye collar. Um, and he said, luckily we weren't euthanasia victims, we were sterilised. Lucky to be sterilised. I think that just says what <laughs> what kind of times 
and situations are, are happening and, and that they were living in. He said that they didn't have full anaesthetic. Um, the operation was the next day from when he was pulled in. It was over in two hours and it didn't hurt too much. He said, um, or it's believed, sorry, that Hans Hauck was one of the 400 random children sterilised due to having partial African ancestry. Um, and then they were brought to a local Gestapo headquarters um, and issued a vasectomy certificate. And he had to prove, had to sign that paper agreeing not to marry German people or half German people um, or of half German blood. And also agreed that he wouldn't have sex with any German people. And he's a young boy at the time. Um, you know, he said it was depressing and oppressive. And he said, I felt only half human. So when we think about, you know, people being taken to concentration camps and, and these things happening, it's a dehumanisation. You know, you're, you're just a number now. You're just a person that we want to get rid of because you're a problem in our society. They're taking away all humanity from these people, removing the right of bodily autonomy, the right to have children in the future. You know, their basic human rights, dignities stripped from them just because they were black or born of a parent from Africa, in this case, or Jewish or Gypsy, Roma, Sinti, gay. <laughs> like, we know how insane that is. But it starts with this low-level blaming of groups of people for the ills of a country, nationalist ideologies, you know, running riot, and a leader like Adolf Hitler and supporters to just push this agenda to another scale. And it always blows my mind at the Holocaust and how that, how human beings can be so cruel, evil, violent, disgusting to do that, but... You can kind of see it. There's patterns of it when we think about other genocides and we think of other moments in history where humanity has just sunk to the lowest of low and similar patterns are followed all the time. There was an article I read um, in The Voice and I'll, I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, I think it's called Hitler's Forgotten Victims and the stories of Hans Jürgen Muskoy and John Williams, um, who I think... John Williams is from Ivory Coast or a descendant of people from Ivory Coast, and Hans Jürgen was from um, Liberia, the son of a Liberian diplomat. And they also faced the impact of, um, you know, Nazi Germany, living in Germany at the time. They were not part of the mixed-race um, Afro-Germans in the Rhineland children. Um, they were further away from that. And they're both fighting to have the recognition of... Um, the victims, the black victims of the Holocaust, to, to be, you know, remembered, recognised, their stories to get some attention because, you know, international awareness isn't really focused on black people. And understandably, it's a small minority, but as I said, when you've got teachers saying with their chest that there were no black people, it's, it's a problem. It's real. It's a real big problem. Um, now, another story I want to alert you to, um, and it's the last story I'll have, um, is one of Theodore Michael Wanja, and sometimes he's referred to as just Theodore Michael, and I'm not sure if he um, added on Wanja being an African name, or that's his name, and some people just don't use it. However, he was born in Berlin in 1925, and was forced to work in Adlergestel camp between 1943 and 1945. I'm coming up against some big German words today, and I'm failing. German teacher... Of year nine would not be happy. However, um, Theodore Michael Wanja, his father was from Cameroon and his mum was German, so he was also mixed race. 
His mother died when he was a child, um, when he was about one. So his family, to survive, ended up in a human zoo. And at first he didn't realise what he was doing. And he doesn't like thinking about this period, he said. But it was the kind of only way to survive. And these people would come and look at him as a black person and point and, and just kind of... It would fill their ideas and stereotypes they had of black people, um, of African people especially, um, and the fact that they weren't uncivilised and savages and all that, and this human zoo was just perpetuating those stereotypes completely. And another thing um, about this story, which I found quite upsetting, was the fact that he was forced to work in a forced labour camp um, to support the German war effort, which is what a lot of people in concentration camps and labour camps were doing. But when you actually think about it, he was obviously having to do something that would then negatively impact the people that probably could, quote-unquote, save him and beat <laughs> beat the Germans. Um, so, yeah, just like the other people um, that we've thought about today, the other children, due to the Nuremberg laws, he was expelled from school, so he didn't have a formal education. He was considered subhuman, um, but managed to survive due to being sterilised. Um, but he was made stateless in Germany. Um, and he had to ask for residency then, and then once this happened, if it wasn't granted, he would be expelled, but I think when he asked for it, he was then forced to support the German war effort. Even though he'd been stripped of his nationality, he was sent to this forced labour camp to make weapons, where he said they worked 12 hours a day, and they would just fall into bed at the end of the day and then do it all again the next day. Now, I can't can't really survive being tired i'm just not that person i'm not that person that powers through i have a nap i go to sleep eight hours a night so the fact that you know you're already being stripped of your humanity your dignity your pride your a number now your name has been taken and now you're being forced to work to support something that you obviously is literally persecuting you is obviously abominable um and but this was his story and, and this is, you know, what happened to him. He thankfully survived. Um, but, yeah, this was just another testimony of, of what could happen to you if you were, were black in Germany. And, you know, he went on to to do many wonderful things in his life and continue, obviously, the legacy and sharing and honouring people like himself that were killed in concentration camps or, or didn't survive or were sterilised. Um, or were tested on. Um, I didn't really find many stories of people that were tested on. Um, I think probably they definitely do exist out there, so that is something that you could have a think about. But then how many people that were tested on and experimented on actually survived? Um, it was common that a lot of disabled people were tested on, probably maybe more um, than than black people or other people there because they wanted to find out more and, and prove their racial theories and their eugenicist ideologies that they had. And so to wrap up this episode, um, I just wanted to kind of leave us with the idea that billions of dollars have actually been paid to Jewish victims um, of the Holocaust, and rightly so. Um, however, the majority of black families and um, victims of black families have received nothing. Um, there is a lot of scepticism about the persecution of black people um, and the fact that their stories are mostly absent from the narratives on the Nazi era and in Holocaust museums all around the world is extremely problematic. Um, and it is Holocaust denial is a thing, not a thing I'm going to talk about in this episode. But, you know, the fact that people can accept that Jewish people 
were persecuted and killed and treated so abhorrently, but cannot understand that there were black Germans who were treated in similar ways um, and ended up in similar situations to said Jewish people. And this is not at all an episode to detract from what happened to Jewish people who, you know, in such large numbers were persecuted and perished. And we have been taught the stories um, of these people, you know, going through the British education system, as we should. But I think this episode is all about highlighting the things you don't get to learn about in school, which are the black people that, you know, were also tormented. And there are other groups of people as well. As I mentioned, um, gypsies, Sinti, Roma people, um, people that were classified or identified as gay, um, political opponents and um, disabled people, as I mentioned earlier. You know, these are all other groups. And yes, the numbers are a lot smaller um, than the Jewish people that were persecuted. So they don't take up as much of the story, which makes sense. Um, But their stories are still important and we should still know them and and honour their memory because otherwise they have died in vain, essentially. Um, There is an African-American history professor called Clarence Lusane, um, or Lusanne, who authored Hitler's Black Victims. um, And he said, he made comment, and it said that a lot of people who should qualify for compensation um, are in their 90s now and passing away. However, he has written this book, Hitler's Black Victims, um, and I think if you this is a topic that's interested you or you do study on this in school or university and you wanted to read more, that would be a great place um, to kind of start some academic reading on a topic like this. I'm going to link the documentaries and the articles that I've used for this episode because they contain, you know, real survivors' testimonies. Um, and I think they're so, so important to really understand what you know, these policies and the impact they had on actual people, you know, to be sterilised as a child and to then speak about that in your 70s, 80s and 90s, to really feel and understand what that's like, I think you have to hear it from that person. Um, and this this is what those documentaries do, which is so good. So I'll tag them, link them on social media and in the show notes if I can. Um, and I hope you have learned something that maybe you didn't know this episode. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Sorry for such a sad um, and traumatic episode in ways but you know that's just unfortunately the way history has been and history has treated certain groups of people so thank you again for listening i hope you have a wonderful week goodbye thank you for listening to the history hotline if you've enjoyed this episode please tell a friend to tell a friend to continue the conversation about black history head over to our social media platforms at the history hotline on instagram and at the history hl on twitter